welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. What is up? How's everybody doing this morning? Like you said, my name is Adam. Actually, he's wrong. This is my first time ever preaching. Pastor Steve is brave. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so listen, I am super excited to be here, honored to be here. Man, you have some incredible leaders. Pastor Steve and Julie are incredible leaders for this house. Thankful not only um, now to call them my pastors, but also to call them my friend. So listen, we moved from Oklahoma, well, from Virginia to Oklahoma um, the end of January and we visited around a couple of churches, and man, we've been friends with Pastor Steve and Julie for some time, but we landed here and have been calling this home since, and man, everyone here is just so kind, so nice. You have incredible pastors, incredible staff, and so thankful and honored to share the gospel with you this morning. So listen, we're in this sermon series called Less Is More, where we're going through the book of Colossians, and what I love about this book is how intentional it is. It's one of those things as you read scripture, it can often become complex and you, you're like, well, what does this mean or how can I apply this to my life? This particular book is so very clear. It gives step-by-step instructions of what it looks like for you and how that you can radically share the gospel um, with others. And so I wanna give a little bit of history for the book of Colossians. I know that we're in the final week here, but so um, essentially the church of Colossae was under attack from false teachers who were basically questioning the deity of Christ. And so um, through Paul had never been to the church itself, he addressed these issues head on. And see, the nature of Christ as creator and redeemer was a non-negotiable for Paul. And so he wanted to make sure that the church was aware of this. And so Paul had dealt throughout this um, book, through these chapters that we've been going through. He dealt with... um, redemption of believers in the first three chapters, but as he moves towards his conclusion, he's basically encouraging the reader to consider their own responsibility in sharing the good news. And so I think that's something for us to look at today. And so in short, Paul speaks to areas of life that we must consider and if whether or not we're serious about sharing the gospel of Christ. And that's a question I think every one of us need to answer this morning. Are we serious about sharing the gospel of Christ. Can we, can we pray really quick? Jesus, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this time that's been set aside for us to be equipped by the truth of your word. And God, we pray that God, that it becomes the chisel in our life that we need to change whatever needs to be changed so that our life is lived to honor you. So God, I pray that over the next few moments as we focus in on who you are, your word, your truth, that God, that you speak in every circumstance, every situation, and it's in your name we pray, amen. As we look into these things, I wanna give you five things today, and I know you're thinking five things, he's gonna be here all day. Listen, I'm quick to my point, and you can go to brunch, lunch, whatever you need to do, okay? Sound good? So listen, I want, the first one I wanna talk about today is if we're serious about sharing the gospel, we must consider the way that we pray. In prayer, oftentimes, it's one of those things where we, we tend to treat it in a way that it's our need of God in every single moment. But what if we viewed prayer a little bit different? What if we began to evaluate in the way that we 
shared Jesus with others? What, what if we prayed with a focus on the work of the gospel in our own lives? What if we prayed watchfully? What if we prayed thankfully? We should pray with a focus on the spread of the gospel to others. Pray that God would provide opportunities for the gospel and that we pray that God would give us clarity of the gospel. What if we shifted our focus to pray more like that? What would begin to happen within our world and within our culture? In Colossians chapter four, it tells us this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Key points right there. Alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. You know what I love about this verse of scripture? It doesn't say, hey, pray because I'm struggling. It doesn't say pray because I'm going through a trial. It doesn't say pray because, hey, life is difficult. What it says is pray that I may communicate the gospel clearly. And then if we begin to devote ourselves to an alert mind and a thankful heart, those two key things, very key points, an effective prayer life equips us to have an alert mind and a thankful heart. But also the way that we pray should equip us to proclaim the gospel. See, prayer is a tool used to communicate to the source for strength. It's not the avenue of treating God like a genie in a bottle. When we can grasp that concept, I believe that our prayer life would begin to shift. See, let's look at what happens when we're alert and thankful. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is what I love about God's word. It gives us the plan. When we're alert, when we're praying for God to give us wisdom and direction, then what happens is, is that we're now equipped to realize that the enemy has a plan for our life. See, I know oftentimes we get warm and fuzzy about this concept that God has a plan for our life, and he does. His plans are to prosper us, not to harm us. But see, here's, here's the concept of that verse. In every season, every trial, it doesn't mean that we won't go through bad things. It doesn't mean that life is gonna be easy. But what it does mean is that in spite of, he's got a plan. And we can cling to that promise this morning. But so does the enemy have a plan for your life. And in his plan, we must be alert. We must be watchful. We must put a strategy in place to overcome the schemes of the enemy. Scripture tells us what it is. It's to devour and destroy. Then that, my friends, is how we should equip ourselves to overcome. So be alert. Gives us the ability to have a plan. But I also want to look back at Colossians chapter 2 for just a minute, and I want to give you some key points in this. It says this, And now, just as you've accepted Christ as your Lord, You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth as you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. If we're to be alert, if if we're to know the strategies and we're to have a plan against the enemy, then we must be thankful. To be thankful means that out of everything, in every moment, in every season, that thankfulness flows out of who we are into our circumstances. See, thankfulness is essential and therefore we should guard ourselves with gratitude. 
And when we don't, we become fair game for the enemy. To, unless we're abounding with thanksgiving. See, unless we function with a song of thanksgiving that's sung in our hearts, the enemy outside will deceive his way into our lives. And so for our own sake, for our safety, for, for our relationship with Christ, we must strive to fill our heart with thanksgiving and guard ourselves with gratitude. In living a life of thanksgiving, I wanna give you two very key things that you're not gonna find in your notes, but I think they're beneficial to you today. You ready? I just wanna make sure, is everybody ready? You paying attention? Everybody good? Just wanna make sure everyone's engaged and you're away. I know it's early. And I know some of you are hungry, but it's gonna be okay. Two things I wanna tell you. One, stand watch. I just told you to be alert. The enemy has a plan. See, when we look back, at, when we look in Colossians 4, chapter two, it says, notice the connection between watchfulness and gratitude. See, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Or more literally, he's saying, be watchful in it by thanksgiving. See, the idea of watchfulness and alertness is that you can recall in the Garden of Gethsemane how Jesus admonished the sleepy disciples. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, guard yourselves from temptation by watching in your prayer, by being alert. And it says that the way we watch is with thanksgiving and that we guard ourselves with gratitude in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. In everything, not in some things, not when it gets hard things, not when I'm struggling things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, out of a place of thanksgiving, we can take our needs to the Father. And when we do, it's not just one of those things where it's like this expectation of sacrifice, because in some places you may feel that way. But when we do, he tells us this. He'll guard our hearts. It will. It's the strategy to overcome. Stand watch. Second thing I want to tell you about being thankful is stand in gratitude. Stand there. Stand firm. See, the role of gratitude applies not only to prayer and spiritual battles that we fight, but also in our daily interaction with people. See, we can see this in Ephesians chapter four. Before I share this verse of scripture, you know, you ever been like asked to do something and when you commit to it and then you go and prepare for it, you realize that Jesus was trying to speak to you before you spoke to other people? I, I realized in preparing, see, I, I preached two weeks ago in, at another one of our location and I'm preaching here today and as I'm looking through Colossians, I realized in my own life that sometimes the things that flow from my mouth, the things that I say, the, the way that I may complain, it doesn't honor God. And when I'm not focusing and standing in gratitude, I can remember, I told you recently, we just moved from Virginia to Oklahoma, and it was, it's, it's been an adjustment. I just wanna, can, can I be honest for two seconds and nobody dislike me? Okay, I got permission. And so, because I have permission, you can't get mad at me, deal? So, so, Oklahoma is ugly, y'all. It's flat, 
it, like, y'all don't have trees, you have bushes that you forgot to trim and you call them trees. I don't understand. And then listen, it's so hot here, I'm waiting for Satan himself to knock on my door and ask me how I'm doing. I don't understand why God brought me to Oklahoma. I left Virginia, we had mountains, we was close to the ocean. Like, we actually had green grass that was green and you didn't have to spray paint it green. Y'all know what I'm talking about. One day we're riding down the road and, man, you just don't realize sometimes how you're complaining. And I'm fussing. She probably wouldn't admit to it, but Brooke's fussing. And we're whining and complaining. And then Josiah in the background, he just, he said, hey, Ezra started complaining, which is my five-year-old. And then Josiah's my eight-year-old. And Ezra's complaining too. And, you know, what you put in is what comes out, and then what comes out also gets repeated because you got people watching you. And so my five-year-old's watching, and he's paying attention to mom and dad complaining, and then he starts complaining, and my eight-year-old speaks up and goes, hey, remember that we're to be thankful in all things? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right, Josiah. That is what the Bible says. And you find yourself getting fretted, fretted and frustrated, but really and truly you're fretted and frustrated because it was the punch in the gut that you needed and you realize that things that flow out of your mouth, that the eight-year-old's right. And not in everything, but in that moment, <laughs> just so we're clear. But your life and how you spend it and what you put into your life is what comes out, and I realized out of circumstances and situations, um, there was a lot of anger and bitterness coming into my life, and it was what was coming out into situations and conversations, and so God basically took this sermon series, and he kind of shook at them a little bit, and we see here in Ephesians chapter five, verse four, it says, let there be no filthiness, nor silly talk, nor levity, which are not fitting but instead let there be thanksgiving. That's a hard one. It's easy to go, man, that's a good scripture. Oh, man. It's easy to even sit there and think, man, I need to make sure somebody else gets that verse of scripture. My friend, I'm gonna text it to them today, be like, hey, did you know that God's word says this and you need to pay attention? I know some of you are thinking it. It's, it's a hard one when it comes to application. Because not everything is easy. Not everything goes the way that we desire. But how can we guard ourselves against a foul or frivolous mouth? And how can we guard ourselves against a mouth that's with, full with criticism and bitterness and blaming and defensiveness, resentment, complaining, sarcasm, disrespect, ridicule? And how can we guard ourselves against a mouth that's just flippant and trivial, silly and petty? How can we do it? The answer to both questions is this. Fill your mouth with thanksgiving. What you put in is what comes out. And if I'm putting in that I'm thankful that God brought me through the seasons he's brought me through. If I'm putting in, God, in spite of everything, God, I'm thankful that your hand is providing in every moment. If I begin to shift my focus off the problem and realize that God is the solution, it's then that I can focus on and then speak thanksgiving over every situation. Thanksgiving is a game changer when we function in it. 
So that leads me to my next point. If we're serious about sharing the gospel, we must consider the way we speak. What comes out, what goes in is what comes out. In Colossians chapter four, it tells us this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. That's another hard one. See, while we should pray for opportunities for the gospel, we should live in a way that proclaims the gospel. We must always remember that the gospel must be spoken. Yes, it's the way you live, but it's also in the way that you talk. See, Paul gives us two, two areas about the way that we should speak the gospel. One, speak with grace. The gospel is a, is a serious and often offensive message. It's a game changer, and it, it is a chisel to our life, and the way that we communicate it with others is so key. With that said, we must never water it down. The gospel is the gospel but we should share with kindness and grace, but speak truth in love. Now, that, that's a key word right there, speak truth in love. His truth, not your truth. His truth, not your truth. See, we can convince ourselves because we believe it to be true that it's the foundational truth in which we should share. However, I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not always the case. Make sure your truth aligns with the truth of God's word. Second thing I wanna share with you is speak with readiness. As those who have experienced redemption ourselves, we should always be prepared to tell others about the salvation that we have found. I think it's a conversation with, I believe it was Penn and Teller. I think one of them said, how much must you hate me? If you believe that this salvation gospel message is true, how much must you hate me to not tell me about it? Wow, if, if God has radically changed our lives, then it is our responsibility to get serious about it and begin to make it a part of our conversations. Be ready to share the hope that is in you. Share it. The next thing I wanna share with you today is the third point, if you're taking notes, is if we're serious about the gospel, we must consider the way we live our lives. And so Colossians chapter four so listen, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go back and read these scriptures on your own if they're coming up on the screen. I don't know how to pronounce half these names. And so I ain't even gonna try to pronounce those names with you today. Steve, I was messing with Steve and he said, just do what I do, go hard name. So apparently Steve goes hard name. But so as you're reading through this scripture, this is what I love. Paul is essentially here, he's name dropping. He's dropping name after name of people that he's encountered, people that are helping serving him in ministry, people that are making a difference. He talks about Luke the doctor. He talks about all these different these individuals and not characters. This isn't a fairy tale book that we read and it's like, ooh, mystical and magical. No, this is real accounts of lives that were in prison for Christ. They were like radically proclaiming the gospel. So I want you to do this. I want you in your own time, I want you to go back seven through 17 and I want you to read these verses of scripture. And I want you to see how each individual played a key part in proclaiming the gospel in this culture. And then I want you to ask yourself this, is my life an example of Christ in everything that I do? 
See, he does it, and I will, this is what I love too when he's name dropping and he's giving these individuals that are sharing the gospel and he talks about different roles that they serve. They're, they're from this, this culture, they're from this tribe, they're this position, they're this doctor, blah, 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 you fill in the blank there. But what he's saying is it doesn't matter what you do. I ain't talking to you, Siri. It doesn't matter what you do. Share Christ in everything. You don't have to have a mic standing on a platform to preach the gospel. You can be a school teacher and radically change the world around you. You can be a nurse and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be a lawyer. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what position in life you feel. What matters is, have you radically been changed by Jesus? And if you have, are you serious enough about it to share with others? And then go do it. And so he lays out this concept of these individuals that are helping him share the gospel. And I wanna give you this, live with wisdom in the world. Y'all, we live in a world right now where it is a roller coaster of emotions. You're like, let's rejoice, let's not rejoice. I agree, I disagree. And it's this raging war around us, but so live with wisdom. Live with wisdom means knowing how to live in a way that is consistent with who we are in Christ. That's such a key component in the culture that we're living today. It's not who we are in our political beliefs. It's not who we are in, in whatever it may be. It's not who we are, whether we agree or disagree. It's not who we are. It's who we are in Christ. Let's be consistent there. And then our world around us will be radically changed with who we are in Christ and those who are in Christ, we must live in a way that reflects the salvation that we've experienced. Others are watching and our lives should be a testimony to the change of the gospel in us. So let me ask you, is your life a reflection of Christ? I think too we can look back through the scripture and see the different people that Paul surrounded himself around. Is our life a reflection of Christ by the people we surround ourselves with. Another thing I wanna give you today is live with purpose in the world. See, Paul provides this important reminder that time is limited and it's fleeting. In James, it tells us that life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes. And so we must live with purpose. And so is the way that you spend your life, the way that you spend your time, is it a reflection of Christ? Is the way that you serve, is it a reflection of Christ? Some key components there. And then the last thing I wanna share with you today that I think is so very beneficial to all of us, the last point in today's sermon is if you're serious about sharing the gospel, we must consider the way that we remember. And I know that seems like a funny statement. What do you mean remember? See, I think it's this concept that when you can remember what God's brought you through, then you can remember what God's done for you. And in that remembrance, it's, it's the boldness that comes for you to go share the gospel. See, today is for you to evaluate how serious are you about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And if you're serious about it, then go do it. And you evaluate it by the way that you pray, by the way that you speak, by the way that you live, and those are key components to help you overcome and be the, the, the Christ follower that he's created you to be. But this is what I wanna point out. He tells us this in Colossians chapter four. He says, here's my greeting. He's wrote this letter to the church of Colossae in my own handwriting. 
And he makes this key statement. Remember my chains. And then he follows it up with, may God's grace be with you. And I think there's two ways that we can look at the statement when he says, remember my chains. One is I think we could probably take the pity party approach. See, as Paul writes this letter, he's writing it from prison. He had been in prison for sharing the gospel and his circumstance from him was not likely. I can imagine being in a spot where he's probably questioning. He said, why why in the world? I'm doing your work, your ministry. Why am I in prison for it? And I think oftentimes as Christ followers, when circumstances happen, whatever your prison may be today, I think we can look at God and we can get discouraged and we can say, God, I'm giving you everything. Why this? So we can look at that statement, remember my chains, and we can go, oh, pitiful poor Paul. Or we can look at that statement and when Paul says, remember my chains, he's saying this, I'm bound up in prison for sharing the gospel, but it's not stopping me. I'm not sitting down, I'm not backing up. I, I, I may be locked up, but it's not quitting the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, it doesn't matter what I'm facing, but God's been good, and because of the goodness of who God is, because I've been radically changed by Christ, it is then there I'm gonna go proclaim him in every situation. What if that's how we begin to function? What if when Paul says, remember my chains, is that you can remember what I've been through, but it didn't, it didn't keep me there. I'm not bound by it. I'm not dictated by it. It's not defining who I am in Christ, but I'm going to stand bold and I'm going to proclaim him and I'm going to see those around me that are far from God. I'm going to take those, that, that list of 10 that I've written down and I'm going to go reach out. I'm going to go share the gospel. I'm going to see people know Christ because I remembered my chains. See, I remember what I've been through, but it didn't define me. It didn't hold me back. It doesn't dictate who I am. And it sure doesn't change who Christ is. See, when you can go through the storms of life, when you can get caught in addiction, when the diagnosis of cancer comes, when your marriage is falling apart, when you lost someone that you love, and you say, Adam, you speak so passionately about those things. I've been through some things. I've walked some roads. I know for me personally, it would have been 2017, I was in a spot where we had just had our second child in and out of the hospital for different events with him. And 2017 is what I would classify my year of hell. In May of 2017, we lose my father-in-law. He dies from an infection. In August of 2017, I lose my mom. She passes away. Two months later, in October, I lose my dad. And then two weeks later, in October, I lose my grandfather. All while in the middle of launching a new campus. I was serving as the executive pastor, kids pastor, and I'm like, God, I'm giving you everything. God, I don't understand. I was falling into that side of remember my chains. God, I don't understand where I'm going through. And listen, you don't have to understand, but I'm telling you this, is that I can stand here 
almost five years later from walking those journeys, from that experience of life, five years later, God was faithful then, God's faithful now, and he'll be faithful later. God doesn't change because circumstances happen. But for some reason, we often treat God and we, 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 we function as if, oh, I'm going to wait to see how this pans out. And if it goes my way, then I'll tell people about Jesus. That ain't what he's telling us to do. Look, life's difficult. Life is going to have its struggles. Life, because you know why? Sin, sin in another world. And because of sin, we're going to go through trials and tribulations. But it doesn't change who God is. And if you believe that this morning, then you'll get serious about it. And then you'll go, come, go proclaim Christ to others. But I'm here to tell you this morning, some of you need to hear it, and I want you to hear it so loud and clear if you hear nothing else today. God has called you, he's equipped you, he has something for you, but you have been allowing circumstances and situations to dictate how you proclaim him, and I wanna tell you this morning, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. If you hear nothing else from me today, is you can't stay there. This is what I believe. God has some incredible things in store for Passion Church. God has some incredible journeys that he wants to take Passion Church on, and he wants not to just take me, Pastor Steve and Julie, or just the staff. He wants to take all of us on a journey, and we want to go see those that are far from God come into a right relationship with him. And do you know how that happens? Do you know how it happens? We get serious. We get out of our pity parties and we start pursuing Christ with everything inside of us and then we go tell others. So listen, let me ask this question. I want you to do me a favor. If you want to get serious about sharing the gospel, I want you to stand up right where you are. You say, today I want to be serious about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand right where you are. See, it's not just hearing things and saying, man, that was a good message this morning. I don't even know that guy, but he did good. It ain't about that. It's about hearing the truth of the gospel and then going to do something with it. And for some reason, I know I'm getting long-winded, there's this barrier between hearing what we're talking about and then when we step over that doorway, those doors open, there's that little whatever you want to call it, and you step over and it's like you forget what we talked about today. And I'm not pointing fingers, I'm saying it even in my own life. If you wanna see something change, you wanna see something different, then get serious about sharing the gospel. Get serious about sharing the gospel. Do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. You say, Adam, I'm here today, and I don't have a clue about this gospel that you're talking about, but I realize that I need something more and I need Jesus in my life. Would you just raise your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands. We're gonna pray again, and I just want you to pray this. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you. I ask that you come into my heart, you forgive me of my sins, so that I can go share you with others. In your name we pray. Amen, eyes still closed and head still, but I want you to do me another favor. You say, Adam, I've been letting my situation dictate my outcome. I've been letting my circumstance, the things I'm going through, hold me back from sharing the gospel. If you're in that spot this morning, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, yeah. 
I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much that, God, that your word is, God, it's the tool that changes the things with inside of us. And, God, I pray that as we lifted our hands as an act of obedience, God, saying that we are aware that this needs to change in us, God, I pray that, God, that you equip us to become bold, to be tenacious, to function with grit, to share you regardless of life circumstances. May the concept of remember my chains be one that says, it doesn't define me, I'm still gonna go. That God, that you're still faithful. That God, here I am, send me. And I pray that through that, God, that we will be equipped. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.